You're now listening to the No GPS Podcast with host Mez and Aaron. Remember to share, like, subscribe, and follow. Got a show idea, complaint, interesting take, or just want to say what's up? You can reach us at nogpspodcast.gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, yo. We're here to talk to you about something interesting happening today, which is the NBA trade deadline. Uh, just ended at three o'clock. It's Thursday, February the 9th. I'm here, of course, with my co-host Mez, and we are here to talk about a very, very eventful trade deadline in the NBA. Uh, this NBA uh, episode was bound to happen. Uh, we were planning to do it around the All-Star break, but uh, this trade deadline was just too juicy, and we had to speak up on it. So what's up, Mez? How are you doing? How's everything uh, going? I'm good, man. Finally uh, ready to talk some hoops, the the real important stuff in life, you know? Ten men and one ball. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it, It's the perfect analog for life sometimes when I look at basketball and I look at life. Uh, sometimes fantasy makes reality and reality makes fantasy. And uh, the two, sometimes you never know what's happening. And uh, this year, it seemed like a lot of fantasy turned to reality. It almost was like, remember back in the day playing 2K or NBA Live and, you know, you'd be playing through a season and you, you'd, you'd make these crazy, absurd trades. I think that's what that's what the NBA looks like now. Uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's pandemonium. It's exciting. It's the whole thing about free agency. But I guess, like, what sticks out to you? What team do you want to talk about first to really uh, set the tone for this talk or for this this uh, podcast discussion? What, what's what's the team on your mind right now, Mez? Yeah. Uh, how about the Lakers? Hollywood, Babylon, chant down Babylon. <laughs> um, I think they got a lot better, man. Um, I'm just going to just bring up the, the team that was and then the team that is. Right. Uh, I think someone just tweeted it out. They took in D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba, Rui Hachimura, Davon Reed, and three second rounders. And out went Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Thomas Bryant, Kendrick Nunn, Damian Jones, Juan Toscano Anderson, and a 2027 top four protected. That that is good, man. They, that that first group is way better than the second group. Yeah. Combined, anyway. <laughs> I think Palenka's doing his job. Uh, in the midst of that, there was a little bit of madness because Thomas Bryant. That was a surprise. I thought he was doing good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was good, but he's. He, I think he believed in himself so much that um, when AD came back from uh, his injury, he, he didn't like the uh, minutes reduction. And he uh... asked for a trade yesterday. Oh, really? And that's how he ended up in the Nuggets uh, situation. But they got Davon Reed out of it, who is good. I mean, he, he can he's kind of like a second Jared Vanderbilt. Gives him more um, flexibility on the wing defensively. Rebound, right. energy. Um, Pat Bev, obviously. <laughs> Once again. He's gone. He wanted to play with LeBron so bad. They were, they were kind of relying on him to be a wing defender. Uh, but it just wasn't working out. It's, uh, 
the shooting wasn't coming along. So it makes sense that they make this this deal for Mobamba. Like you were saying earlier, you said that this looks like the the team of 2020, or more so like that team, obviously younger with uh, with Rui, um, with D'Lo, with D'Lo coming back to LA again. So it's it's a team that looks a whole lot different. They're maybe five games out of fourth place or fifth place. Uh, I think the Mavs are in, in fourth, and they could they could make a run. They could do something. It's just the only thing is um, the West is no longer a mess. It's a beast, and it's the best. And it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be difficult. It's just gonna be a slugfest. With Bamba, they they're going back to that bubble 2020 bubble thing with uh, a big next to AD and LeBron and some shooting. So they got Malik Beasley. I guess Lonnie Walker's still there. Um, uh, D'Lo is just him and Dennis Schroeder. You could, you know, one is exactly as the other. Playmaking scores. But you say in the standings, so they're 13 games back. Dallas are five. Yeah, okay. It is five games, but look at everything that's in between. (laughs) Other than Utah, I don't think anybody's going to make it easy. Everybody has ambition, you know? A lot of ambition. I mean, it's just this thing is teeming with... With so much, right? I mean, for LA to really make a run right now, a lot of things depend on it, right? Health, uh, finding a way to play cohesively, get people to believe in the system, uh, understand it. You know, this is when Darvin Ham is really going to be tested as a coach because he essentially got everything you need to be a team that can at least make it to the second round. And I think if the Lakers get to the second round, that's good enough. Right, and then we see what happens in the off season. We see where Kyrie eventually will en- end up. Uh, I hope he stays in Dallas. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they were gunning for Kyrie, but you know because of personal beefs between uh, the owner Josai and uh, Kyrie, he-, he made sure he was not going to go to his preferred destination. And so we have what we have right now, and the Lakers look as they look. And it looks like, like I was saying earlier, that it's it's Palinka and there's not that many chefs in the kitchen making bad decisions. You, you remember when they got Westbrook and they could have got Buddy Heald? And it was just like, you're just scratching your head. Like, I understand it's Hollywood. I understand it's the Lakers. And you're like half of what you do as a team is is to bring people into the stands. Right. I mean, every team is like that. But the Lakers more so than anybody. They want big box office names. Hence why they wanted Kyrie so so bad because he's probably the most box office not the best player but he's the most box office player just because of the dynamic things he does and so well, <laughs> you know they went for Westbrook and it's kind of like you know just build a good team it doesn't have to be sexy you have LeBron James a guy who's now the all-time scoring leader like like you don't need any more sexy names other than that and you have AD right there like you're all the way good yeah but AD is only sexy for two weeks at a time <laughs> the entire Hollywood project that its entire ego you know is uh hinging on uh, a few ligaments in that person and that man's lower half <laughs> you know he, he could he could miss a step going down going down from his bedroom and uh the dreams of an entire you know desert area <laughs> you know go down the drain with it <laughs> but yeah the the lakers they, they can make a run i just don't think it's uh enough for for this year it's uh it's going to take a lot out of them just to get to the play-in, and then the play-in is going to take a lot out of them just to get to uh, the 7th or 8th seed. And then just to play Memphis or Denver, 
good lord that's that's just too yeah. much man I, i don't see ad surviving that um it's, i don't see lebron surviving that and and he's still missing <laughs> uh, he's still um skipping games he's not playing tonight against the bucks he's um yeah. that's that's definitely going to be an l which means if any of the other teams win the next games you know portland okc golden state minnesota new orleans clippers phoenix dallas that's uh, another step behind, step back and uh, after the all-star break which by the way is not that far off it's next week mm-hmm. uh, there's only 20 games left like uh, the lakers yeah. play today they've already played 55 games they have one of the hardest schedules coming up like it's going to be hard they had one of the easiest schedules up till now and going forward for the rest of the season they have one of the hardest schedules in the nba so good luck Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to watch. I'm going to enjoy watching them cuz uh um maybe a lot of uh our audience members don't know I like watching LeBron James lose and suffer. It's uh, <laughs> hey, that's it's, uh, it's the one piece of schadenfreude that uh energizes my life and my my in my in my midlife uh, era, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you got to understand and and this is the your Pacers fan, I'm a Raptors fan. At least those are the two leading teams that we we uh watch. And uh, LeBron has not made it easy for those teams in the last 10, 12 years. So if anybody's wondering where is the LeBron uh, resentment coming from, it's uh, coming from those those beatings uh, year after year. <laughs> I have to correct you there. I, I the resentment comes from him not being a basketball player. You know, he's he's an athlete <laughs> first, uh, basketball player second. Okay. Uh, it's more an aesthetic thing because, uh, as you know. Our infatuation with the Kyries and KDs of the world is there. Their artistry, and I just right. don't think LeBron is an artist. Yeah, he's a running back. He's a fullback. He's he's a he's a tight end. He's a Shannon Sharp type of figure. And I mean, it's not aesthetically pleasing to watch him score. Uh, it's not like watching Kobe or or Mike. Just pure skill. To us, maybe you know, yeah. to Hoopers and the dilettantes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, The, the enthusiasts we to us maybe because uh, there's a big huge huge you know population that actually probably loves watching him for the exact reasons that we don't you know right, big right. broad muscular jumps high runs mm-hmm. fast pushes people mm-hmm. over you know he attracts right. that uh, WWE factor <laughs> and um, that's actually part of why uh, I hate it even more it's just uh, it's a libidinal economy that Yeah, that I'm I, that I don't like to partake in. So any 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 moment I can hate, I will hate from the sidelines <laughs> with with my with my little with my arts degree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we 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 loved what was happening in Brooklyn. We know we knew that it wasn't going to be something forever, but that kind of Basquiat ball, that artistic type of basketball, just hoopers going out there and just allowing things to flow. It was just so beautiful and just so it was like a bomb. It's like a bomb to the soul chaotic too chaotic for sure yeah but that was part of the innovation yeah i think that's that explains the chaos in brooklyn uh, the basketball factor it just doesn't it was never gonna mesh you know it's too much freedom <laughs> yeah too a little bit too much freedom a, a rich kind of freedom you know you see what cam's doing now he looks like a young Kyrie. yeah I, you know what's crazy i mean this is a good segue from la la land to uh to picasso land hey the uh they kept all of their players all of those wing guys All of those yeah. shooters, they and Strange. and now they have this young kid who's like scoring forty points every night now. 
Yeah. So uh, uh, this might be, uh, you know, their ownership saying, screw you, we're going to go into the playoffs with this team. And who knows? Maybe in the offseason they get Kenny Atkinson back it's, and the whole gang is back together, you know? Everybody buys in. <laughs> Play with a spirit of fun. Don't don't fall victim to what franchises like Boston or L.A. or what's a storied franchise that like, like 76ers, like it's a championship or bust mentality. That's the, the, the fun is totally taken out of the room. Like I personally would never want to be a Lakers, Celtics or 76ers or a fan of one of those teams where it's it's either you win a championship that year or you lose. And I think that the Nets, why they were so fun to watch before the KD and Kyrie and James Harden era was because they played with that fun, right? They they had the, the bench mob. They had everything like going for them. They were fun. They had character. You were watching their story arc. You know, players were getting better. Guys were making it to the all-star team for the first time, right? Like D'Angelo Russell was over there. That's where he got his second life after he came from L.A. And I'm just like, man, you going back to L.A.? I don't know. <laughs> I hope you're going to be okay out there. But, like, that's why I like the Nets of before. And I think that Josai and the guys over there, like Sean Marks, would be smart to go back to that. And it looks like that they're going back to that homegrown mentality that just bring the spirit of fun. I think, I think you just uh, said something there. Yeah. What's so likable about that Kenny Atkinson group was the story arc of it, like you just said it. That there was a story there. You know, some people like uh, the the potential for a story that you know we you weave in your own head in, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Some people like the and that, you know they find beauty in that. And some people find the beauty in the basketball of a Kyrie or a KD, the true hooper. You know the the mystic who 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 walks his own path. <laughs> You know, and, and arrives. You know, you see all these different outlets making their own uh, comic adaptations of the stuff. Sometimes on YouTube and on social media, um, yeah. like the Athletic or Bleacher Report or whatever. And then there are some people who like the chaos of uh, the superstar celebrities. Who's gone where? Who said what to whom? And and you know, LA LA is a place for that. Um, I guess that's what it is. Really, at the end of the day, it's not that. You have a team you root for necessarily. It's uh, you find something meaningful in it in the sport. Right. If right. you can uh, separate it from all the corporate shit, <laughs> you know. Right, but, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, man. Brooklyn. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. They, they kept it. They should still be able to make the playoffs as long as they. That's what they want to do. If they really want to mm-hmm. keep these guys in and they don't lose them to any buyouts, they should still be able to fend off all these teams. They are, what are they, three games ahead of the play-in? Yeah, they have a cushion of like seven games from Washington, so they're good. Yeah, they're going to make it. Yeah, they got a good you team want, there. Do you want to go to your a team that's similar, that kept all their players? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you read my mind. So, of course, I'm very happy that the Raptors didn't make any big trades. You know, they were they were buyers and not sellers. We got Pirtle back. A center that we really, really, really need. And I just want to see how these guys play. I think that at the beginning of the year, things were off balance only because the team's uh, game strategy changed. It was the ball was in, in Siakam's hand more often and it took it out of Fred Van Fleet's hand. And I think that that caused a bit of consternation. And then OG's touches went down because of that. And then Scotty Barnes is getting plays called for him. So it was just, it was a, it was, it's people, people were like, yo, these guys were so good last year. How come they're playing like this? It's, it's a, a team trying to figure it out as they go. And I guess, you know, the front office and the coaching staff wanted Siakam to take that leap and to superstardom. And that just wasn't the case. He didn't even make the all-star team this year. He was so gassed. 
And for me, I want to see what these guys could do at the second half of the season where they have roles established and people bought in again. Um, that's my big thing. You bring a guy who's homegrown, who was traded to the Spurs in 2019 for Kawhi, and you bring him back. And I think that that boosts up the morale of the team. You know, if we can get you back, we'll bring you back. And that, that was kind of a trend this trade deadline. I think five players went back to former teams. Um, I, I don't think all of them will stay where they are. Probably some will get bought out like John Wall and all of that. But I, I like what the Raptors were doing. Like I said, it's not always about winning championships. It's about learning. And I think that even this trade deadline for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, I think that this was a time for them to see how their players were evaluated by other teams. And then they might do something uh, come the offseason. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Obviously, Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, I believe they're going to be free agents. So, you know. Make of that what you will and what will happen. I don't know. But I like that they kept the crew together. Do you think they, they are bought in now? Like they're going to go for it? I think so. With this squad that we have right now. But it's the same squad. Like what changes? Just overnight. So Fred's getting the ball more. So he's happier. He had that podcast with uh with JJ Redick. He was basically laying it all out there, right? <laughs> for the front office to hear him out. And I think that they heard him and the offense was tweaked and changed. And Siakam is not so much a, a focal point anymore. And I think that that bodes well for the whole team. There's just too much parity as far as skill-wise. So you had a problem kind of like what Boston had when Kyrie was there. It was who was going to be the alpha, who was going to be the main guy, who was going to get the most touches. And it made sense for that person to be Jason Tatum. But like the, the leader, the guy with the championship was Kyrie. So there was too much parity. Players were too close in skill level. And I think that that caused a, a serious issue in Boston. And I, likewise, I think in Toronto is the same thing. Is OG dissatisfied? Of course, he's like the fourth go-to in the offense, right? Like it's, it's, I get that. But he's been injured a lot. And there's been a lot of chances for him at the beginning of this season. And even last season for him to really show what he has. And he really hasn't like showed up like that. You know what I mean? So he can't be getting mad like that. He wants to be maybe the second option or the third option. But you really got to like when the ball's in your hand, you have to be able to deliver. And he hasn't been delivering. So let's see what happens now. They're on a three game winning streak and they play Utah, Detroit, Orlando next. So that could be six games on a on the trot. And then they have Pelicans. Who knows about them? Detroit. Again, Cleveland, Chicago, Washington twice, a lot of, and then Denver. So a lot of winnable, winnable games for them coming up. Right, right. But yeah, I'm with you. I think um, Masai always deals to win. He doesn't deal to to cave in or to to rebuild. He's always trying to bounce back as opposed to uh, rebuild. And maybe that's the the main message to his guys that they. The whole media turned Toronto into like this uh, shopping spree destination. So the players obviously heard that. And for the trade deadline to come and go with everybody still intact. And they actually added a, a guy that they used to all play with. Um, that probably gives them the confidence to go forward to, to, to make something out of the season. So yeah, I think Toronto are still in it. Um, let's have a quick look at the standings again. Yeah, they're in the playing spot right now, so. 
Yeah. I mean, what more can you ask for? They're three and a half games away from a playing game, uh, so the playoffs themselves. So, hey, man, I think they're they're still in it. It's a chaotic team. I have to uh, <laughs> yeah. pivot from uh, our pod early this season where the, it's not a good kind of basketball to watch. They're kind of like Clippers, Clippers East. It's just a lot of dribble penetration and kickouts and dribble penetration, kick out and and then you know and then Fred Van Vliet will do a do a heave from like twenty seven feet at the, the end of the shot clock. Yeah, but who knows, man. Maybe we'll get another Raptors Sixers game where a series where uh, they they all they all get swatted left and right <laughs> by the Godzilla that is Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, take take a couple of lumps out of them. Two games, maybe maybe take it to six games. Who knows? One hundred percent. I think that they wanted to have a bigger role for Scotty Barnes, but I think that you know the scouting report is out on him, right? Because as an offensive weapon, teams weren't looking at him like that last year and. Teams were kind of like just calling his bluffs. Like, can you shoot this jump shot? Can you shoot this three-pointer? And he's been a liability on the court. So I think that that really has hampered the Raptors' offense. He really needs to get a jump shot. You know what I mean? I'm not even talking about getting a three-pointer. I'm saying just get a mid-range so that uh, it's not four on five on the offensive end. And so that that was a big problem. Also, too, I think the Raptors were going to make a move. But I think what happened in Brooklyn, (laughs) you basically opened up you opened up the possibility and the hopes of uh, so many Eastern Conference teams now that Brooklyn is out. Obviously, Milwaukee, Boston, they're probably, you know, relaxing a bit now, knowing that this team that was went on an 18 and two run is now dissembled. I think that if KD is at least still in Brooklyn, that the Raptors do make a move. But because KD went to Phoenix and uh, and Kyrie went to to Dallas, that. I think they wanted to keep the squad to see what they could do. Yeah, Brooklyn is the X factor in the standings in the East. Mm-hmm. They can go up or down. They they can maintain this or they can, you know, sell their their squad for parts. And you know, there depends on how how precipitous their drop will be. But yeah, uh, right. do you want to go to the? You mentioned him, KD. That was the big one. <laughs> the blockbuster trades of all. I, I just like every time KD moves it. All of basketball stands still. It's weird. I was so shocked. The only thing comparable is when LeBron is, uh, is you know, doing one of his free agency, uh, you know, I'm going back type or <laughs> the decision type things. That's the only thing that comes, uh, yeah, that can compare with it because everything just kind of stops whenever that guy is like on the move. Kevin freaking Durant. You know, Kevin you know who Durant. he is. You know his name. <laughs> you know who I am. Like it's it's <laughs> like when my brother called me last night when I was just I was just about to knock out, go to sleep. And I sent you that text. I knew you were, just, you were going to wake up to it. I was like, I want him to see my text first before anybody else's. Like, <laughs> KD is gone. And then I sent you the Woj, uh, the, the, the Woj tweet. Uh, like, I was just shocked. I was like half almost asleep. Like, KD's where? Like, he's like, KD got traded. And then something inside of me, of course, uh, as a Raptors fan, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> where did he go? <laughs> he's like, yeah. is he is he close or ba- <laughs> or far away? <laughs> He was like, he went to Phoenix after like, you know, like that pregnant pause. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. You know, that that, <laughs> that hopeful that hopeful optimist in me was just like, is he a Raptor? <laughs> so I'm like, that's not going to really happen. But um, yeah, they did it in the dead of the night. They did it like, like really, really sly and slick. I, I had to think that Kevin is kind of behind that, uh, especially with the, the whole the whole ordeal that, you know, all of the flack he took from the Golden State situation. He did this real low key, 
that, that, that was a nuke dropped on everybody. That shifted everything. I think a lot of trades don't happen today. I don't know if Gary Payton II is on the Warriors. Uh, I don't know if some of the other deals are made. It's, it's some, it, it was starting to look like things were happening from uh, a position of, of, being, of haste from a lot of teams. But yeah, like, so Kevin Durant on Phoenix. On paper, it looks amazing. How do you think it's going to look? How long do you think it's going to take for them to have the kind of chemistry? I was just talking to a friend of mine. We were talking about it. The backcourt defense is worrisome. Mm. Booker and Chris Paul. I think they always got kind of carried by Mikael and uh, Cam Johnson. And, uh, you know, others, I guess. But then I thought, depends who they start with and who they finish with. Because uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, TJ Warren, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre eight and five, that's all running and gunning. If you take out TJ and put in Tory Craig, yeah, I thought he was gonna start. Then you have a little bit of balance. Yeah. Craig can uh, give you shooting, and you can defend the other guy, the other team's um, wing. Mm-hmm. But still, they don't have a real. Okay, I guess they have Josh Okoji, who can defend yeah. guards. Um, and I thought. Darius Sarge would have helped, but apparently he's left as well. He's gone yeah, to OKC okay, or something. Right, for Baisley, guy named Baisley. Yeah, so uh, a lot of things happened real quickly today, so. Right. Uh, dust hasn't really settled yet, but um, I, I I just want to see, I, I want to get to the point. I just want to see a Dallas Mavericks, Phoenix Suns playoff round <laughs> where it's Luka versus Booker. <laughs> And Kevin Durant versus Kyrie Irving. Can you imagine, man? I need to it's see It's almost that. like Booker and and Chris Paul are like calling their big brother, you know, and, and showing showing him who the uh, the guy who bullied them last year. It's number seventy seven. Yeah, number seventy seven, the one with the seven. <laughs> and Luca would be like, "You think I'm scared of him?" <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, I bet you the Mavs give it to them. I, I don't, I don't even know. I think they just... that that would be a run and gun. Um, that's almost like mid mid two thousands. Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns versus the Dirk Mavs. It's just running and gunning, man. There's no defense there because it's not like I guess the Mavs are waiting for right. Kleber, actually Kleber to come back. But they lost Dorian Finney-Smith. They have Reggie Bullock, but that's about it. Oh, man, they had like. Theo Penson and all those guys draining threes yesterday. Like, it's, I don't know if they're going to be shooting like they did yesterday against the Clippers, but they looked good. But I'm not expecting that kind of performance all the time. But that second line, if uh, yesterday's game was any indication of how they're going to be looking, you know, it's going to be pretty good. They're going to be pretty nice. And, um, like for Phoenix, it's going to be interesting. There's no clear cut team that's going to, like, just, like, take it. But the new owner out there in Phoenix, I think his last name is Sheba or something like that. Ishba. I'm getting his name wrong. But this dude is coming out with the dry powder. Like he's, he's, they're like way in, into the luxury tax. Like <laughs> this dude is like, we're going to make this happen right now. You know, they say you're always one player away from, you know, a championship run. And he believed it. And he's seen the opportunity and he sees the moment. I don't think that Sarver makes that decision. I think that he, he would be. Uh, less inclined to do it. Obviously, he doesn't have as much money as this cat, who was a walk-on player with the Michigan State Spartans. I think uh, he was. I think he was a part of the 2000, 
the 2000 NCAA championship team. I think he was a part of that team with uh, Mateen Cleaves and all those guys. And I think Mo Peterson was on that team. I might be getting it wrong, but yeah, that Izzo squad from 2000. So this guy, is he's, he's a hooper. He's somebody who who's at least watched the game, knows the game, played the game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens out there in uh, the land of the sun, uh, the land of the coyote. It's an interesting thing thing to see with these teams that run and gun so much. I think that the Lakers probably figure that that's not going to be their brand of basketball when they look at teams like Phoenix and Dallas and uh, the Golden State Warriors. So they're they're bulking up. They're getting their tall uh, T-Rexes out there like they did for the 2020 championship, like you were telling me. So it, it looks interesting. How do you think this is going to bode for the Phoenix Suns, like this run and gun style? Yeah, there's more physicality from the L.A.'s. Probably better defense. I'm, not, I'm just not convinced by the defense of Phoenix without Mikhail and Cam Johnson. Those guys uh, covered a lot of ground for them. Made up for a lot of mistakes. Um, Chris Paul ain't the same defensive guy that he used to be. And I think physically he was ground down last year against the Pelicans without Booker. And then against Dallas was too much for him. Same thing with uh, the, the Mavs. So they have Bullock. Who could take your main guy on the other end, but no more, no more Dorian Finney-Smith. Hardaway isn't a big. I mean, Kleber is a big defensive piece for them. They have uh, Javale McGee. I guess they're a little bit more rounded out. I feel like defensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dwight Powell. Yeah. Dwight Powell starts yeah. games, but really doesn't end them. It's it's interesting because um, every team bulked up, but they also have kind of obvious the. Uh, Holes like Denver Nuggets, for example, they they traded Bones Highland because uh, they were not getting along. That was uh, and there was uh, starting to get public. Even Jamal Murray was uh, was even tweeting things about him, and uh, um, Mike Malone didn't like him. Uh, but but without him, they have no guard scoring coming off the bench now. It's all Bruce Brown and Braun and. Uh, who they got now? Did they get Plumley? I think. Yeah. They got Thomas Bryant, who's going to help him, but they have no guards. Like, outside of Jamal Murray, who do they have? I mean, they got Caldwell Pope. Yeah, but but they are starters, right? When they go off, it's... Uh... Uh, so, yeah, they got they got Brown. Yeah, yeah, they kind of... Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, Brown's more of a three, I think. That's what makes the West interesting. There's uh, still holes... There's no perfect team. To, and gaps to fill, yeah. And um, yeah, Saric for the Phoenix Suns got traded for Darius ba- Baisley from OKC. Um, right. So he gives them, you know, more, uh, you know, small forward, I guess, position flexibility. Uh, the kind of guy who can guard uh, Kawhi. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. You know me, man. For me, the, the NBA playoffs are like a, a blessing, man. One of the life's greatest <laughs> blessings because it's like a World Truly. Cup every year. So I just can't wait for the next two months to to be behind us I was just saying earlier it's only four games or so before the all-star break and then 20 games left and then uh, we'll see what these teams uh, enter the arms you know what, what arms race what the arms race will look like by the beginning of the playoffs yeah it's gonna be interesting I think KD's the kind of guy you can you can plug into any kind of offense kind of almost like how Kyrie was yesterday although there were some miscommunications on the offensive side sometimes which is obviously 
very normal to see uh, with a player's first couple of games with a new team. But I think KD is going to be perfect fit out there in Phoenix. He's been wanting to go there for a long time. CP3 and him have a great relationship. I think that this will give CP3 and Devin Booker a break as far as like they were carrying a lot of the load offensively. And I think that that was contributing to the injuries, like what Book was having hamstring injuries last playoffs. And then this year, obviously, you know, growing issues, all of that kind of stuff happening. So he hasn't been able to be consistent. He's back now. Um, so I think that this does help them with health. Obviously, KD's probably not going to come back till after the All-Star break. But yeah, whoever wins this year, or who, <laughs> not whoever wins. I think a team from the Eastern Conference is going to win. Either uh, Boston or I still got Boston. Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I feel like Boston yeah. and Milwaukee look the, yeah. the best right now. Their journey or their path to prosperity is a lot less arduous <laughs> than the, the ones in the West. They're going to be beaten up. Whoever gets to the finals, <laughs> it's they're going to have luck and health on their side, but they're going to be beat up. I'm I'm a, I'm a guess that the second round is going to be uh, the four teams in the second round are going to be uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Philly. So whoever mm. plays who, I don't know, but those, those are going to be the six-game series, second-rounders, and then a, a nice little epic seven-game series in the final would be nice. And then you play uh, whoever comes out of the 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 war zone. That is the Western yeah. Conference. I'm reading now, um, 25 minutes ago, Woj says the Wizards are working on a contract buyout for veteran Will Barton. So, uh, what? Damn, oh, he's 32 wow. years old. He was on the Nuggets last year. I mean, <laughs> the yeah. perfect team for him would be the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the funny thing me and Matt were talking about was this was kind of the year of, of, of second chances and returns. You have five players. I think it's, it's D'Lo, it's John Wall, it's Pirtle, it's who else went? Uh, who else went back to a team that they used to play for? Well, John Wall, but uh, not for long. Yeah, 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 not for long. Yeah, so John Wall, Pirtle, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Gary Payton the second, Gary Payton the second, and who's the fifth person? I'm, I'm forgetting who they are. But anyway, so it's it's all these teams are going back, and so we were kind of joking around like somebody like Kyrie. He wanted to be reunited with LeBron so bad, right? And it's this whole thing about free agents, and it's kind of an analog for real life. It's this idea that the grass is always always greener on the other side, and that's not always the case. Sometimes you got to good where you are, make a make a decision. But it just fits in with this this whole nomadic or digital nomad trend or spirit of the times that we're in, right? Where everybody thinks they can get a better deal somewhere else. And we were kind of joking, like, I think that yeah. because LeBron figures himself as an entrepreneur, he, he was always destined to go to L.A. But him and Kyrie and, and Cleveland together for longer would have brought more prosperity, I don't, uh, maybe another championship. But it's a lot of people going back to where, you know, they started or their former teams. And so it was interesting and just the mania of just seeing players in new uniforms all the time. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, I would love to see him in a new uniform, play with a new team, play, play for a new squad, play for a new city. <laughs> but it's like, you know what? I think Giannis and them got this figured. It's reinforcing. Yeah, like, it's it's this idea, like, no commitment or responsibility. And we, we see that that's kind of like a, a sociocultural trend across the line just to make an analog with basketball in real life. 
philosophically and politically and socially, Giannis is the antithesis to that because he's the immigrant. In his mind, he's settled. Uh, he's been forced to mo move around. His family comes from for forced mobilization. And uh, for them, Milwaukee is like, man, this is a home. I don't care how cold it gets. We're rich. We're probably the warmest family in Milwaukee. So <laughs> in his mind, I think settlement is uh, is what, uh, what counts. And in the minds of the people you mentioned, it's uh, there's always something else, you know, just just beyond. So let me let me try that. That's why I think Kyrie left Cleveland because he thought, he, if not now, then when? You know, I'm a free bird, high flying bird. Right. So let me fly. Right. And uh, LeBron couldn't wait out that juggernaut in uh, Golden State, so he had to make a move, uh, make a move as well. And he thought that Kawhi would come with him. So you know, there, there's. To them, it's all about movement. It's about mo it's about leaving wherever they came from. Mobility. Yeah, it's about leaving where they started and ending up somewhere and then never being really um, satisfied. I think uh, I think it's, uh, it's the it's the African American versus the uh, the immigrant type of thing. Because Jokic is the same. Mm. I don't think Jokic has any intention of strong arming Denver or anything. That guy just he's happy, man. Like he's happy. I, yeah. I think he's the only the only thing that would probably I would like to see with Jokic is how would he react to a championship, to winning a championship. Because mm. right now he's nonplussed, man. Like, so what? Like, <laughs> there's a funny ass uh, press conference where they, uh, you know, they, you know how the they always start with leading questions. Oh, you were the first one to do this. I, th I think he may have had like some, some kind of triple double or something. <laughs> and he openly was yeah. mocking them like ooh wow yay ooh <laughs> like he was like damn I love this guy <laughs> uh, he's not one for the hype yeah he just he does his job but but he plays it like his life depends on it man the guy always looks like entire body scratched up and, and the blood in his body is trying to escape his his arms <laughs> he's just uh, him Giannis Luca yeah. I don't know but um yeah, he looks pretty uh, dissatisfied and agitated. Well, yeah, but he's dissatisfied <laughs> in the sense that I think it might be because he thinks the same. Like, why is my team losing? My team should always be winning the title every year. Yeah. Um, whether Mark Cuban and them uh, screw him over to the point where he says, I want to get out of here, maybe. But right now, mm -hmm. even his anger, I think, comes from the fact that um, I came here to win. Yeah. As opposed to, that, you know, him having this uh, built-in you know kd and lebron gene of well if it doesn't work here i'm going over there right 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 the free agent mentality and that that was the whole tragedy of it because you know that this whole idea of uh, athletes being free agents i think that originated in the, the 1970s when that was you know worked out and you know i thought that Kyrie was gonna kind of be like although the, the timelines are much different i thought he was gonna kind of be like a reggie jackson you know, Reggie Jackson goes to the New York Yankees after a year or half a year with the Baltimore Orioles from the Oakland A's. And he get, he settles there in, in 1977 on the Yankees. And, you know, his teammates and uh, much of the city of New York uh, hated him. He was what you would say, you know, is, is kind of like the modern athlete. Right. He, he was the kind of guy that would say, I'm the straw that stirs the drink. Right. You know, he had all these interesting quips and, uh, you know, he was leading with his ego. Uh, with Reggie Jackson, number 44, one of my favorite 
baseball players of all time. But, you know, 1977, it didn't start out good. Problems with his teammates, problem with the coach, brawling, doing all kinds of stuff. Crazy articles coming out. It's pandemonium in New York City. What else is different? Uh, I think this was a year right after uh, Gerald Ford told the city to drop dead. And so, but by the time October came, you got Reggie Jackson in the World Series. And he becomes Mr. October. And he brings a World Series to the city of New York. I thought that, uh, you know, Kyrie would be similar, although he'd been there for a couple of years. And, you know, there's a lot of antics and silly things happening. And sometimes when we come into a certain type of consciousness and we learn about the history, we feel like we don't owe anybody anything, especially our loyalty, especially if it's a corporation. And I think that Kyrie got put into a mode of being, you know, resentful towards those who he thought wielded power over him, right? Whether it was a coach, whether it was whoever. I mean, he's famously said, we don't need a coach. <laughs> you know, so it's somebody who doesn't necessarily respect hierarchy, right? He was on I Am Athlete last year, you know, basically saying that him and his dad raised each other. Um, so that gets you a bit into his psyche, into his mentality. The moment his money is in question, put into question, he has to uh, put his head down and play and perform. And... Um... I think the Lakers thing is still going to happen. I think that's the only team that can afford to to, to give him a contract, yeah. Uh, especially with LeBron there. And for the Lakers, it's like, well, what do you mean? There's nothing for you to lose. If Kyrie comes in as a headache, it's also LeBron's headache. And if right. uh, <laughs> it's almost like Brooklyn um, had to find out, but they were they thought they were there weren't going to be any headaches. They thought, hey man, at least KD's here as a buffer. The Lakers already kind of uh, um, are up to their necks in the, the LeBron James stuff. You know, yeah. um, they've given him a team now and they can still have space, I believe, for Kyrie. Yeah, so I think that's still going to happen. Kyrie, LeBron, AD going for the 23-24 uh, championship. Um, but then that's it, right? <laughs> that's That really is it at that point. <laughs> There's really no more. If it turns out to be worse, or as bad as the Russell Westbrook uh, mishap, then uh, then he just took another year or two out of LeBron James's career. But I've always kind of uh, my forecast for LeBron's career was going to be a couple of more years as a as a main guy. I guess even with Kyrie, he wouldn't be the main scorer, right? You'd imagine Kyrie would be the the scoring leader in that team, and AD right. would have his double doubles in a perfect scenario. But mm-hmm. if it does if it does fail, I can still see LeBron be the third guy in a super team where there's two legitimately, you know, leaders, whoever that might be. And he could play till he's forty two. I still think he plays till forty two, minimum. Some Kareem Abdul Dubar stuff. It's definitely on the cards. He's uh he needs the money, my friend. <laughs> he needs the contract. <laughs> Because without the money, who is he? Like that's that's the right. true thing about it. He's been talking about uh. the proletariat, the 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 poor paupers of the world, as if he's one of them. When he's not, he just gets to to speak. And uh, it's, uh, we live in a sad state where people live out their fantasies vicariously through the celebrities that they uh, that just happen to have the mic on. So they give him energy. He gives <laughs> he receives it, and the media <laughs> uh, keeps. Uh, putting more kerosene on it and yeah he's the gift that keeps giving (laughs) how many headlines were derived from him this year it's absolutely amazing it's 
phenomenal uh, for good and bad. I think being in a smaller market like Dallas might work out better for him. I don't think Dallas is a small market. Medium-sized market? I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty big. It's, uh, it's Dallas. Yeah, but it's not New York City. <laughs> the Cowboys, baby. Hey, that's what I'm saying. So you got a black cowboy, a ghetto cowboy in <laughs> Dallas right now. <laughs> in, in a way, uh, Texas is kind of is a loony state that, that, funnily enough, is probably more, can be more of a home to Kyrie's uh, uh, extravagant uh, perspectives on the world. <laughs> you know, he, he'll, he'll finally discover his true Kanye West phase, you know. Oh my God! I was a libertarian all along. Just the black one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he might come to that realization over there and say, "Hey, I got a lot in common with these these yeah, Texans." He might get a lot of uh, yo man. What he said about the Jews is right from a white perspective, as opposed to from the the, the Hebrew right. Israelites. You know, right? You, you find allies <laughs> in weird places. Yeah, exactly. Our best fellows, <laughs> and 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 you have Luca out there in the corner, just not understanding what the hell is going on. Those those conversations on those bus rides are going to be and those uh those plane rides are going to be interesting, if they're ever had. I would like to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> uh, Reggie Bullock is an interesting character, man. Bullock mm-hmm. is uh, probably in like uh, today's politics perspective, he's probably the most uh, progressive NBA player. So uh, really? Reggie Bullock, what he what kind of conversations he would have with Kyrie is uh, is probably going to be uh, that that's. What I would look out for if anything ever gets gets written or anything. Oh wow! Are you telling me that that Kyrie's gonna go from being an you know Afrocentric, indigenous life world subject to a thoroughgoing, hardcore Marxist? No, <laughs> might be uh, holding a capitalist manifesto next uh, September. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I, that the closest thing we had to that is Mahmoud Abu Abdul Rauf and uh, David West. Right, right. Hey. hey. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf just got a documentary out on H uh, Showtime. Yeah, the thing with Showtime um, docs is uh, really hard to, to to get them here in the UK. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm gonna be able to see it anytime soon. Oh uh, damn! Yeah, I'm interested to see that. We were talking about that the other day, and uh, you know, you said something interesting to me. You were like, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matters movement made this possible for somebody who was shunned and uh, ignored forgotten for left for dead it's all of a sudden he's uh on podcast with jalen rose the table has been set for someone like uh, mahmoud abdul rauf to tell his story you know it's, uh, yeah. like i said if it's uh if it's uh if it's viable if there's uh if there's money in it you know if there's money coming back then and and you know Anything goes in this time. This neoliberal age, you know. Ahmed Abdul Rauf. Oh wow. Okay, that's, that that works. That's that's good. Uh, our audience will love that. After documentary gets aired, we'll show Get Out by Jordan Peele. Because <laughs> most of our demographic will be still in front of the TV when that movie starts. That's real. Hey, the truth is whatever sells is the truth. That's the motto for this era that we're in. Yeah, but what what's sellable has to be socially. Um, stamp, you know, has to have a stamp. Like, there's certain things you can't show that you'll alienate your audience. But then your audience changes over a few years, and then you can you can sell that thing that you couldn't sell before. I think that's what it is. Because when right. Kaepernick was doing his thing, I mean, we, there were a very small group of yeah. people who said, "Do you remember Chris Jackson?" 
Do you remember? Yeah, when, people when were bringing it up. Yeah. Like, how come nobody's talking about this guy? But, but the J- Jamel, right? Uh, Jamel Hills and whoever this world, they, that was a little bit too militant for them, you know. That was the wait. Nah, nah. That's, that's, that's nothing uh, we can work with now. Kaepernick, we can work with, and we can be part of. Uh, we can be part of that movement ourselves. You can insert yourself into the discourse because it's happening now, yeah. first of all. And uh, it's, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's like <laughs> like someone once said to me years ago. It was like about music and uh, how some of us were, you know, digging into crepes culture, right? Versus top forty uh, radio hit charts culture, and. Um, Others like uh, the the person who digs in the crates or searches for songs and albums that were lost and forgotten, or looks for uh, music cultures back in the day. Yeah, uh, that uh, that are more rare. There's there's like a rewarding feeling when you find something that you've been looking for, and you discover this new world that was there before before you. And even in, if it's not before you, you finding smaller indie artists. Like finding little gems, um, music that uh, takes hard work. There's a meaningfulness to that, versus someone who just checks whatever is on the radio, what what's going to be playing in the, the the club at the end of the of the week. So we were kind of talking about that and going back and forth uh, over many months. And then one day he he said to me, "You know what? It's one hundred thousand percent true that quality wise, the music you're talking about is better." Except you can't talk about it with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to if if I drop Drake as an example, if I drop Drake and started, you know, diving into uh, whatever, you know, underground hip hop, whatever, mm-hmm. I would, my, my world would shrink, you know, I'll be missing out on conversations and uh, the, the latest thing. And he said this one thousand percent, you know, you know, um. He wasn't being ironic or anything, and I and I said, yeah, that's true. You miss out on the spotlight, and that's that's the the social aspect of it. So the same with uh, Kaepernick, and uh, and I think it's the same with politics. Period. People want to talk about what's going on right now. Like, who cares what happened 500 years ago? That's too much to to ram into my little mind. Right. I'm trying to to make today's stuff work, today's currency work, so I can make the currency work for me, so I can be at a in a place where maybe my kids will have enough time to to be crate diggers, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's why most dig, uh, crate diggers are hipsters, you know. They got the time and uh, the leisure time. And um, meanwhile, uh, little homie from the block is trying to trying to get the next hit. Right, right. Trying to go global. Can't be a collector of some sorts, right? There's so much cultural production that's been, you know put out there for the last 50 60 70 years and like we were talking about in the last episode there's so much rust when you kind of just blow the ashes away and clean the dust away there's 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 so much richness there that if you look deeply into it it has a lot to do with who you are right now yeah but that conversation is between you and that thing and that thing not with a, a large mass of people yeah, it's like when we were kids and a guy that I used to listen to underground hip hop with is now uh, freak dancing to Sean Paul. I'm like, you don't even like this music. Right, right, yeah, right. but the girls <laughs> like it, dude. <laughs> right, 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 right. The thing about it, though, is like, even if everybody's not in on what you're listening to or reading 
it still makes your life richer in the sense that you can derive great meaning from the things that you're seeing and watching and you see the connection between the many things that seem so different there's a line sometimes that connects them in very interesting and quirky ways and that for me always gave me a sense of awe yeah like i said it's it's true what i'm saying is it's true for you and what they're saying is true for, for them the, for them or for for yeah. a plural set and i think that's the halfway point is the sharing part if you find something that like that the i think the best part is when you share it with someone yeah i agree with that you get to have two people now or like a in a classroom environment when i think that's what's the most fulfilling part for a teacher when they all those things that they spent time in studying and uncovering and connecting when mm-hmm. they presented in a uh, in a classroom environment and see people get it i think that's what the uh, the most uh, rewarding part of it is i guess but uh, i don't mm-hmm. know how we ended up here <laughs> <laughs> no we were just talking about how um how people got onto the particular place we're at right now the time period that we're at right now is conducive for a documentary like the 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 most recent one with with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf coming out on Showtime right this is not some indie documentarian putting it together this is you know Showtime right so how did we get there right we're talking about Colin Kaepernick we're talking about all these things and what's happening right now especially even with Kyrie if you understand what was was happening with Mahmoud Abdul Rauf in the 90s it would make a lot of sense to what's happening right now you know it gives you context and it gives you a bigger horizon to make sense of the world that you're living in so yeah i think we got there because of that but yeah yeah that's true enough time passes by so that you can it's uh, it's available now to talk about it's right. the same thing with the CIA and their 40 year um rule about when every 40 years they declassify stuff right 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 the CIA knows that 40 years is safe <laughs> safe time right. because by then a, a new po- body politic has emerged that mm-hmm. will look at this stuff as if it's the stone age you know it's not really it's not enough to mobilize people um i i think it's a gamble now because of the the internet has shrunk everything to the point where people are aware of all the connections yeah but the internet also as it shrinks it also expands things uh you know the the screen brings things closer to you at, at the same time as it uh creates distance between you and that thing so yeah. um but yeah i think that has always been a safe bet for people it's safe to talk about now so let's let's invest the money let's get our right let's get our investors in it <laughs> Right, right. There, there's enough of a, a demand and a need for this because it's been repressed and and people have been starved of this information. People heard a little bit about Craig Hodges, you know, in the '90s, going to the, the the White House and you know giving a couple of choice suggestions to George Bush, and people are you know thinking like, hey, how come Craig Hodges wasn't on the Last Dance, right? <laughs> you know, he was on podcasts and they were bringing it up like, hey, weren't you a seminal part of that? Didn't you win the three point contest, one of those All Star weekends in the the early mid 90s like yeah so how come you weren't on it oh his politics didn't really align well the last dance yeah that was a jordan led machine so yeah. no, no place for mr craig hodges but we'll yeah. we'll see showtime they had a really good documentary on ron artist oh yeah that was really good yeah the uh, showtime is uh, paramount if i'm not mistaken 
I guess if mm. I can get Par- Paramount Plus, you know, the, the new days of the streaming age, mm-hmm. uh, if I can get that, maybe I can see it, or someone uploads it on YouTube or whatever. But uh, I'm not, I'm not going crazy for it right now. I'll see it when we see it. <laughs> yeah, patience is the key. It's all, it's, it's also a little too late, you know. That's the thing, a little too, too late. So, what's the? It's more doubly insulting, you know. Every time a new documentary comes out way too late it's actually uh um, entertainment fodder it's like for the pbs crowd so they can mm-hmm. feel a little bit more clued up and and uh, more it's like a different kind of fatness for a fat cat you know it's not just money that makes them fat it's the the sense that they know better you know in in 1995 there was a little known man from mississippi by the name of chris jackson <laughs> right 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 right, right. He's the first Colin Kaepernick. You know, it's like a, it's like your own way of drumming up your own uh, IQ levels. I was way on. You know, I was first on this. Yeah. <laughs> from Natchez, Mississippi. I think that's where he's from. And, you know, probably going to talk about that crossover that he gave Jordan when he was a high schooler. You know, it was a man destined for great things. Entertainment. Definitely. Uh, important. Significance. I don't know. Right. It's so far. So far removed. It's interesting. But yeah, so. We're heading up to the end of this. Is there any outstanding things that you wanted to say? Is anything that was top of mind that you weren't able to to say yet? I am worried for the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Uh, Steph Curry's injury looks bad. They look not up to it. Where does the stretch run? Yeah. Um, uh, for the first time, I'm worried for the Warriors. Maybe if they were okay, in the, like last season, where they were like definitely going to be a third seed at least. Yeah. That would have been one thing, but they are right in the thick of it now, man. And I don't know if they can win as many games. I, th- I think they'll be, they'll struggle just to keep around 500. And mm. that's probably just going to be enough for the play-in. And yeah, that's the only thing I'll say. But I'd be, most of the season, I thought nothing goes past the Warriors when once they figure it out. All the other teams have to, you know, they, they have to figure themselves out. The Warriors already know mm-hmm. how they want to play. They just need enough time to to get everybody on board in, in time for the playoffs. But now, who knows? That's that's what, one thing I'll say. They looked bored. They looked tired. The young guys weren't like Kaminga and all those guys and Moody. And obviously Wiseman got traded to the Pistons. It just wasn't working out the way that they thought it was going to work out. I think they thought that the playoff experience from last year was going to enrich them and season them to the point to where they would be ready to take that next leap this year. And hence why they let Gary Payton the second go, because they thought, oh, we got Moody, we got Kuminga. We're, we're good on that. We got three and D guys. And that's just not the case. You got a good player like GP2. Hey, just don't give them up. They lose the games because it's like the way the Golden State Warriors play. And the new players that they got, the new rotations, they, they need to match up, right? They need to get hit 100%. It's like a cartridge that's loading, and it's still not loading as quickly as you want. So last night, they looked good for five minutes. Like, they look amazing for five minutes. And then they'll go for a stretch where they, you know, turnover, missed uh, communication, easy layups for the other team, and then spam out again. Like they yeah. were kill- they last night they should have won that game and then they went for like five minutes without scoring in the fourth quarter and they just couldn't you couldn't do it and, and it was because they insist on playing the Warriors way which needs yeah. you know 
it's sophistication. Like a, yeah, it's like a it's almost like a video game where you have to get everything running proper so you can have a full bar, you know. <laughs> and they, they they still their bar is not full yet. And I don't know with Steph out if it's gonna be worried. Yeah, I seen that injury in real time against the the Mavs, and I was like, oh my gosh, come on. He's got two tears in it. That that means weeks. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I think I think <laughs> this might not be their year, and the playoffs are always less exciting without them. They just bring a brand of basketball and a, a, a beauty to the game and a, a sense of selflessness that just uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's reassuring. It's gives you hope in life. Having said that, I'm still yet to see a, a Warriors team lose in the playoffs. Yeah. Since 2014. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's either finals or, or you know, yeah, or they win it or they lose in the finals. So we have to see it to believe it first. So interesting times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely do another podcast on the NBA round ball, as they said on the great, 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 great show, The White Shadow. Uh, <laughs> we love this game of round ball. <laughs> So yeah, so Mez, it was awesome talking to you today. I hope that we get beautiful basketball from whoever, from wherever. I hope that the Memphis Grizzlies relax. I hope health and luck for everybody and let the best team win. I just want to see good basketball. <laughs> yeah, man. Whether it's basketball, Hollywood ball, WWE <laughs> ball, <laughs> or the uh, the true ball of the, the, the Golden State Warriors, you know. Whatever floats yeah. your boat. I ain't hating. Yeah. I'm just uh, standing. How do you say it? Standing for my own version. <laughs> right, 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 right. Straight up, straight up. <laughs> I love it. And hopefully, my dearly beloved Toronto Raptors do a serious run, like a fifth, fourth seed type of run. I think we can do it. Uh, I believe in them. Hope springs eternal. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Peace, and I will speak to you soon. And peace and harmony to all of you out there listening. It was a pleasure. Peace and harmony. I'm Lauren Hill with the wheel, with the kill like Bill, but they more like Cosby than they like. OJ, I roll with a role, I roll with a soul, like Rick and the Dave, they strand to the wig, I'm Prince with the lived, I'm pocketing the jig, I'm Mike and the Wiz, they popping the Chris, I'm Jake and the Sick, I'm loaded, the dice I roll it, like Jordan can't control it, Janet Jackson free zoning, Bolter like Leah Cohen, bap bap and I hit him with the rhythm of the kick, hit him with the rhythm of the fist, hit him with the rhythm of the Bruce Lee, who me, move like a Fuji, dunk in a Uzi, glow up, blow up like Gucci, super side for the clouds like QB, you win a game for the fame, what a shame for the fame like David Bowie, ah, yeah, 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 I be the man, y'all be the rant, stalking a fan on YouTube, damn, hopping the lamb with the top of my head with the rinse and Michael Jackson bad, what Wesley had, the new jack, I'm holding back, my show on that, people gossip it, they try to keep me down, with the system where you tell me something, yeah they probably when they try to see me drown, with the system where you tell me something.